Welcome to The War from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. It takes money to fight a war, more money than the United States had on hand. And with foreign credit not necessarily a place the U.S. wanted to go at this point, during World War II, the government increasingly turned to citizens to borrow funds through our war bonds. Indeed, in the 2011 movie Captain America, the war bond sales was a prominent part of the plot. And if you watch movies of the time or listen to radio, certainly you'll hear references to war bonds. However, the selling of bonds did not begin with Pearl Harbor. Prior to uh, Pearl Harbor, the United States was rearming. And to help finance that, they needed to, uh, people to buy defense bonds. Defense bonds, or what uh, war bonds were called uh, during times of peace, uh, eventually uh, the whole thing became renamed savings bonds. But I stumbled on a couple of pre-Pearl Harbor appeals for defense bonds, and so we're going to bring them to you today. First up, we begin with a clip from Maxwell House Coffee Time, in which Daddy, played by Hanley Stafford, talks to Baby Snooks, about defense uh, stamps. So here now is Baby Snooks from November the 6th, 1941. Hello, John. Hello, Daddy. What's up? I'll be over in a little while. Yes? I'm giving Snooks her first lesson in thrift. In thrift? Yes. I'm taking her to the post office to buy some defense stamps. Oh. See you soon. Okay, Daddy. Goodbye. Now, what can possibly go wrong in a post office? All right, Snooks. Here's the post office. Have you got your money ready? Yes, Daddy. Where is it? I got it in my shoe. In your shoe? No wonder you've been hobbling along like a stilt walker. When? All the way over here. Your left foot's four inches higher than your right foot. Take off that left shoe. My money's in the other shoe, Daddy. Well, why is your left shoe like that? That's where I got my candy. Good heavens. You're not going to eat that stuff after walking on it, are you? Why? Oh, take off both your shoes and let's handle them. Come inside. No one, Daddy. I'll sit down here. Now, take off those shoes. The socks, too? No, just the shoes. Well, how will I get my chewing gum? Snows. You didn't put chewing gum in your socks. Didn't I? Look at that mess. And the money's all in pennies. Chewing gum, chocolates, and a piece of apple. Where's my lollipop? Oh, here it is. Whatever possessed you to conceal all this stuff in your shoes? I was afraid we'd be held up. Oh, what a ridiculous notion. Why should you be held up? Well, you was held up last night when you came back from the lodge. Now, who told you that? Mommy did. He said two men held you up all the way home. Now, that's a malicious slander. I walk every bit of the way myself. <laughs> oh, Daddy. Now, don't smirk. It's enough I have to suffer those indignities from your mother without you repeating them. I didn't tell nobody. Well, make sure you don't. Why? Because a false rumor will spread that I came home inebriated. And you know I'm a man of regular habits. Is that one of your regular habits, Daddy? No. And I forbid you ever to mention the incident again. 
Why? Oh, don't be aggravating, Snokes. I brought you to this post office to teach you the virtue of thrift. And you're already trying my patience. Is this all the money you had? Thirty cents? No. Well, where's the rest of it? I showed it on the back of my pants. <laughs> what for? You said to do it, Daddy. I told you to sew money on your pants? Yeah. You said I should always have a little money to fall back on. <laughs> Well, that's a beautiful interpretation. Well, take off your... Uh, no, no. Uh, you can't do it here. Why? Because it doesn't look nice to come to a post office and remove your clothes. Maybe you can go in the mailroom. Ain't they got a free mailroom? <laughs> I'm talking about the room where they keep the letters. Can we read the letters, Daddy? Of course not. Why? Because it's against the law to open letters that don't belong to you. They can put a person in jail for reading other people's mail. Mommy opens all your letters. I know it. But it's different with a man and wife. Can't they put her in jail? No. Why? Don't worry, I'm working on it. <laughs> put your shoes and stockings on. I want to go barefoot. Snow? <laughs> I want to go barefoot. <laughs> Oh, stop making me sick or I'll turn you hide. I want to play hide and seek. Now, that's enough. Put your shoes on quick. Come on. Now, the other one. Now, come on. We're going to invest this 30 cents of yours. Come along. What's this picture on the wall, Daddy? Oh, it's a reward poster put there by the Federal Bureau to aid in the search for mail bandits. What does it say? It says, murderer wanted it. Hmm, let's see. Are you going to ask for the job? <laughs> it's not a job. Come on. Well, here's the window I want. Now give me your 30 cents. Why? To buy defense stamps. What's defense stamps? They're little tokens issued at various prices from 10 cents to $5. And when you get enough of them, you can get a defense bond. What for? What for? Mm. To help Uncle Sam, of course. Why don't we help Uncle Louie? Now, <laughs> uh, this is not a real uncle. Uncle Sam is the guiding spirit of America. You've seen those pictures of that colorful old man with the beard, haven't you? Santa Claus? <laughs> no, not Santa Claus. Uncle Sam. Oh, gee. I told you. He's the patriotic symbol of this country. Just like John Bull is the symbol of Great Britain. We've had him with us since America was founded. John Bull? No! Uncle Sam! He's always portrayed as a sort of Yankee character. And he wears stars and stripes. Has he got a beard? Yes. Does he wear a high hat? That's it. He gets his name from the initials U.S. Who does? Uncle Sam! Who's he? The man I'm telling you about. He represents our government and everything that's American. And his name is Uncle Sam. Does he know Aunt Sophie? No Why? I don't know The important thing is He wants your 30 cents Who does? Uncle Sam! <laughs> what are you yelling about? I ain't gonna give him my money Now look It's for your own benefit, Snooks If you buy defense stamps For that 30 cents You'll always have it I got it now, ain't I? <laughs> yes, but you might spend it If you buy stamps Uncle Sam will get the money And return it to you Will he spend it? Certainly. Oh, no, he won't. <laughs> Why not? Well, he ain't gonna get it. 
Snooks, this is not only a saving proposition. Every real American should buy these defense stamps and bonds apart from the interest involved. What's interest, Daddy? Well, it's a premium paid for the use of the money, usually reckoned as a percentage. Like interest at 5% per annum of $5,000. That means you get back $250 at the end of a year. $250? That's right. How can they afford it for 30 cents? Oh, give me the money. Keep quiet. Uh, Give me three 10-cent defense stamps, please. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, stop crying, Snokes. Here are your stamps. I'm glad I sold the other money in my pants. <laughs> now, listen to me. You've just done a very noble thing. You're too young to understand now, but America today is facing a grave emergency. The president has called upon the financial aid of the entire nation. You want to help, don't you? Now. <laughs> listen. The few cents you've exchanged for those stamps will be put to work instantly. Defense workers are slaving night and day at different projects, helping to make an impregnable fortress of this country to keep our strength so that we may help others. Battleships will be built, airplanes will roll into production, tanks, guns, and even food for the army will be bought. All with my <laughs> Don't you think it doesn't help? Just imagine if every person in America did the same thing. Snooks, strange as this may sound... Your 30 cents may save half of the world. Yes? Yes. Turn me over, Daddy. Oh, I'm not going to spank you. I know. I want to get the rest of the money and save the other half of the world. Some other time. Let's go home. <laughs> Welcome back. They did a great job here uh, balancing the funny with uh, getting their message across. If anything, it was maybe a little too funny, but I thought it worked rather well. All right, well, now we're going to turn to another uh, program uh, on perhaps a more serious level, but still with some uh, fun in it. Uh, here is an episode of the Treasury Hour from October the 21st, 1941. We only have the second half of the show, but as there's no uh, dramatic plot or anything, that shouldn't be a problem. So let's take, go ahead and take a listen. Well, half an hour to listen to the Treasury Hour. The program is already in progress. Thanks very much, Miss Carolina Segura. This is the Treasury Hour Million Forty Ten. Still to come, Carmen Miranda, Noel Coward, and Robert Montgomery. But first, a brief pause for station identification. General Electric Station. Our program continues transcribed. This is the Treasury Hour, and here again is your master of ceremonies, Ricardo Cortez.
Ladies and gentlemen, at this moment, in bomb-battered, stout-hearted London, two good friends of mine and yours are standing at a microphone in the studio of the BBC. They're Noel Coward and Bob Montgomery. It's a long 2,000 miles to London after naval patrols who helped convoy the ships across. But Bob Montgomery and Noel Coward can make their contribution to this Navy edition of the Treasury Hour as quickly as I can say, go ahead, London. Good evening. This is Robert Montgomery speaking to you from London. On behalf of Vice Admiral Gormley and the officers and men attached to his staff of naval observers in the United Kingdom, I extend Navy Day greetings and good wishes to the Secretary of the Navy, Mr. Frank Knox, the Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Stark, and to our brother officers and men of the Navy and Marine Corps. The 27th of October is Navy Day. It has always been a great day at home, and we who have the honor of serving in the United States Navy and foreign posts feel that Navy Day this year should give the people of our country an opportunity to understand more fully why we have a Navy, and we hope, appreciate what they... And now on behalf of myself, and speaking quite unofficially, all my friends in England, when they heard I was to speak directly to America tonight, have swamped me with messages, some of them personal, some of them general, but all of them affectionate to their friends in America. I know that you are interested in what is going on in the ordinary life of England today. I can tell you that England today has, as you all know so well, her gallantry and her courage. She has faced her fight and will continue to face it until that fight is won. And I believe that one of the chief things that is contributing to the spirit of England is the ability of her people to enjoy themselves when and how they can. One man who has added enormously to that enjoyment is here in the studio with me tonight. He is an old friend of mine and yours, Noel Coward. He's going to sing you two of his newest songs. The first one he wrote quite some time ago and dedicated it with sympathy and admiration to the home guard. The song is called, Could You Please Oblige Us With a Bren Gun? A Bren Gun, the British version of a Tommy gun, was sadly lacking in the ranks of the home guard when Noel wrote this song. Speaking as one who has seen the home guard, I should say that the song has had its effect. And now, Noel Coward. Montmorency, who was in Calcutta in 92, emerged from his retirement for the war. He wasn't very pleased with all he heard and all he saw, but whatever he felt, he tightened his belt and organized a corps. Oh, Colonel Montmorency thought, considering all the wars he'd fought, the home guard was his job to do or die. But after days and weeks and years, bravely drying his manly tears, he wrote the following letter to the Minister of Supply. Could you please oblige us with the Bren gun? For failing that, a hand grenade would do. He got some ammunition in a rather damp condition. And Major Hunt has an arc with us that was used at Waterloo. 
with the vicar's stirrup on a pitchfork and the same. It's rather hard to guard an autodrome. So if you can't oblige us with the brand, the home guard makes the world a home. Could you please oblige us with a friend gun? We're getting awfully tired of drawing lots. Today we had a shipment of some curious equipment. And just for a prank, they sent us a tank that ties itself in knots. On Sunday's mock invasion, Captain Clark was heard to say, he hadn't even got a brush and comb. So if you can't ride it with the brand gun, the home guard makes the world a home. Colonel Montmorency planned, in case the enemy tried to land, to drive them back with skill and armored force. He realized his army should be mechanized, of course, but somewhere inside, experience cried, My kingdom for a horn? Oh, Colonel Montmorency tried, at infinite cost of time and pride, to tackle his superiors again. Having just one motorbike, 14 swords and a marlin spike, he wrote the following letter in the following urgent strain. Could you please oblige us with the brain gun? We need it very badly, I'm afraid. Our local crossword solver has an excellent revolver. So during a short attack on a fort, the trigger got mislaid. In course of operations, planned for Friday afternoon, our orders are to storm the hippodrome. So if you can't oblige us with the brand gun, the home guard makes the world go home. Could you please oblige us with the brand gun? The lack of one is wounding to our pride. Last night we found the cutest little German parachute. He looked at our ship and giggled a bit and laughed until he cried. We'll have to hide that armored car. We're marching to Berlin. We'd almost be ashamed of it in a row. So if you can't oblige us with the brand gun, the home guard might as well go home. And now, I should like to sing you a song that I wrote immediately after the spring blitzes. In London. I hope the song will explain itself. It's called London Pride. London Pride has been handed down to us. London Pride is a flower that breathes. London Pride means our own dear town to us. And our pride is forever will be. All eyes are, see the Constabettles, the vegetable meadows and the fruit pile high. All eyes are, little London sparrows, Covent Garden Market, where the cops will cry. On each mark the beat of history, every street in the memory down. Nothing ever could quite replace the grace of London town. There's a little city flower every spring unveiling, growing in the crevices by some London railing. Though it has a Latin name, in time countryside, we in England call it London Pride. 
London pride has been handed down to us. London pride is a flower that's seen. London pride means our own dear town to us. And our pride is forever will be. Hey, lady, when the day is dawning, see the policeman yawning on his lawn, baby. Hey, lady, later in the morning, hear your footsteps echo in the empty street. Early rain and the pavement glistening, all park lanes in a shimmering dawn. Nothing ever could break a the charm of London town. In our city darkens now, sweet and square and crescent, we can feel our living past in our shadows. Ghosts beside our scarlet pennies who lived and loved and died keep throughout the ages London pride. London pride has been handed down to us. London pride is a power that free. London pride means our own dear town to us. And our pride is forever will be. Grace it is suddenly and plainly. Grace it is suddenly and plainly. Taken so for granted for a thousand years. Grace it is smokily and charmed. Cradle of our memories, our hopes and fears. Every blip your existence happening from the rip to the anchor found nothing ever could override the pride of London Town. Good night, everybody. Good night to you all. We return you now to New York. Thanks. Many thanks, Bob Montgomery and Old Coward. It's good to hear from you both again. The best of luck to you and to all of England. And now, here's my friend Larry Elliott again. 2,000 years ago, the famous Roman historian Tacitus made a statement which today is even more true than in his time. He said, power acquired by guilt seldom has been directed to any good end or useful purpose. Never have these words been truer. The forces of the dictators have been dedicated to brutality, conquest, and robbery of man's rights and freedoms. But America has dedicated herself to the preservation of her democracy and to the restoration of justice for all the world. For the sake of yourself and your liberty, buy United States defense bonds and stamps and keep on buying them. Now a 21-voice salute and music to the Navy with Barry Wood, William Hargrave, Treasury Hour Orchestra and Choir, and Graham McNamee presenting the Navy Song of America. symphony whose dominating themes of freedom, equality, liberty, 
are supported by a thousand counterstrains. Some verses are soft and sweet, while others make us know with each brave note that courage, purpose, strength are ours. Songs like those which our nation's Navy sings. The Navy, never faltering from devotion to its duty. The men who man each man of war with a spirit of sheer gallantry. They measured up unfailingly to every standard imposed upon them. And here tonight is our salute in the language of their song to the high brotherhood of our Navy. So all hands on deck, cast off with the Navy Song of America. and the sail and the danger are a rugged trio, teaching lessons of philosophy and courage which make seamen their colorful selves and make their sweethearts and their wives loyal, understanding, well worth saluting in spirit and song. Although the wife is there, you know, there's none like Nancy Lee, I know. There she stands and waves her hand upon the key. And every day when I'm away, she'll watch for me. And with the low and tempers blow for Jack at sea. Yo ho, lad, oh, yo ho. The sailor's wife, the sailor's star, shall be all we go across the sea. The sailor's wife, the sailor's star, shall be the sailor's wife's star. salute to our Navy, its officers and men, is written tonight in song, sung from the grateful heart of our country to the powerful fleet of the United States Navy, dedicated to the defense of America, standing strong and ready against the tyrants of the world. We are grateful to the naval heroes of yesterday and the naval men of today who help give us the assurance that the America of tomorrow will sail on, steady as she goes. Anchors away, my boys. Anchors away. Farewell to college joys. We sail at break of day. Through our last night on shore, cling to the foam. Until we meet once more, is wishing you a happy voyage home. Keep a hold. Sailor, everybody drink up, wipe your face. Heave a hole, sail, sail, wave a sail, and break a thing. Sing away, sing away, sail, and break a thing. Hey, anchors away, my boys, anchors away. 
to solid joys we sail at break of day, 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 day. Why, it's Carmen Miranda. It's certainly nice having you here tonight, Carmen. Yeah, and uh, how would you like to meet Ricardo Cortez? Ricardo Cortez? Ah, gostaria muito, muito. Ele é um simpático, gostaria muito. Uh, well, what does that mean? Now you are cooking with steam. You, you mean cooking with gas? Steam, no gas up seven o'clock. <laughs> Hello, Miss Miranda. It's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, Ricardo Cortez. Simpatico. Muito simpatico, muito simpatico, simpatico. Brilliant. Miss Miranda, tell me, how do you like our American movies? I like uproar. Uproar? Uproar. No, no, no. She means she likes opera. Romeo and Juliet, Samson and Delilah, Tristan and Isolde. No, Olsen Johnson. I like uproar. Yeah, that's, that's right. I hear, I hear you're going into their new musical Sons of Fun, aren't you, Carmen? Yes, yes. Oh, that's well. Look at Ricardo. Why don't you be a pal and ask her if she'll go out with me tonight? Oh, yeah? Well, I'll see what I can do. Miss Miranda. Uh-huh. This wood fellow, he, uh, he's a glamour boy, you know. Glamour boy. And Gramstino, uh, a woman chaser, you know, uh, Gaviro, a big gigolo. Well, how do you say it, you know, in Brazil? You mean, uh, he's the wolf. <laughs> hey, Rick, you really, you really want the help. Look, uh, Miss Miranda, well, how would you like to go out with the, uh, the best man singer in the world, huh? Fine, I like it. But the thing crossed with his marriage. Uh, <laughs> no, no, Miss Miranda. Barry Wood here is a singer too. Go on, show up, Barry. Show up. Yeah, sure. Any bonds today? Hey, he's a hepcat, isn't he? Yeah, he's a trickling the grave. <laughs> All right, any bonds today? I hear, I hear. Listen to what things love me very much, very, very much. Well, that's that's very sweet, you common, but it isn't learned you. It's it's taught you. Torture. He listens to you sing it. Torture. Torture. Oh, I give up. I give up. <laughs> and now Miss Miranda will sing Ribola Bola.
rebolado da cabeça até o pé. Rebola a bola, prende a bota no botão. Rebola a bola, morena, que se toma o coração. Eu vi um papo em papo na papo dela e outro papo papo sabe de uma papa de fubá. E o papo ficou a papa papa amarela no papo do papo do papo que está pulando na mapa. Quando eu disse a papa que papiava no papo de um desmaio de um papo era papão. E eu fiquei tão Rebola a bola, eu vou mostrar como é que é Ai, um bate aqui rebolado na cabeça até o sapeta Rebola a bola, prende a bola no botão Rebola a bola, morena, que tirou no coração E eu não quis mais saber de ver o papo Que vi papo numa pipa na papada sem papo E é por isso que meus olhos logo tapam Quando vejo esse coisa de papo, papo, eu papo, avô Que se cobrou o cabeça de uma tapa Que se aperta na garupa do tapa da catata Pra quem vem, eu sou de um papo, fico de papo Só com sapo, 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 só com Rebola a bola, prende a bota no botão Rebola a bola, morena, que tem no meu coração Eu vi um papo em papo, nem papo dela E outro papo em papo, sabe, de uma papo de fubá E papo de fubá, papo, papo de marela No papo de papo de papo, que papo lá na mapa Quando eu fiz, eu papo de papo de fubá Meu papo de fubá, que papo era papão E eu fiquei com o papo, não me chava Quando eu fiz, eu papo da ele, fiz o meu papagão E se tudo, eu fiz de uma casa Que eu fiz de uma casa, que eu fiz de uma casa Pra que ninguém fosse ver o papo de fubá Pra que ninguém fosse ver o papo de fubá Pra que ninguém fosse ver o papo de fubá Thank you. Now, we present a narrative ballad written especially for the pre-Navy Day Treasury Hour by Herman Wolf. The author dedicates it to the commander-in-chief of the Navy, who has made it one of his life work to bring our naval forces to their present pitch of fighting power. President Franklin D. Roosevelt. This is a poem of the shipyard, where a battleship is known by the mark B.B., the rhyme of the BB-66, read by Mr. Frank Lovejoy. It is the BB-66 they launched today at three. The mighty BB-66 that was built to keep men free. And the people's roar swells up from shore as she slides into the sea. And when this ship goes down the waves, there's more on her ribs than steel. The hope and love of a thousand men are built into her keel. There's a nation's pride in her iron side, and liberty is at the wheel. High in a tower on New York Isle, they've earned a lonely life. And ship designer William Lodge worked late into the night sketching the BB-66 in pencil black and white. Sprung from a long New England line of clear-eyed men of the sea, this William Lodge put heart and soul in the ship to keep men free. Lovingly balanced every ton, carefully placed each giant gun, his pencil dropped, his work was done. I think she'll go, he said. And when this ship goes down the ways, there's more on her ribs than steel. New England's love of the rights of man is shaped into her keel. There's tyrant hate in her armor plate. And fear of God at the wheel. The welding flame burned acrid blue too strong for human eyes. The welders wore weird iron masks like creatures in the sky. But they worked as human beings work for things that all men prize. The welding acrid blue too strong for human eyes. The welders wore weird iron masks like creatures in the sky. But they worked as human beings work for things that all men prize. 
The welding flame moves straight and true in the hands of Scott McBride. That big Jake Lesnick, the pole, works strongly by his side. And the growing BB-66 was all their joy and pride. And there was Otto Peterson of Norway's stock was he. He thought of men betrayed in chains far, far across the sea. And his jaw set tight as he worked by night on the ship to keep men free. Oh, when this ship goes down the ways, there's more on her ribs than steel. The brotherhood of kindly men is welded in her keel. There's a Christian dream in her metal gleam and tolerance at the wheel. Then came the riggers, muscled men to swing the guns in place. The best was colored Dixie Joe with smiling gold toothpaste. Five tons of bulkhead on a crane he could swing with cat-like grace. And as he worked, he sang a tune he learned when still a boy. Of Lincoln setting black men free. And his body hummed with joy, and he tossed a cannon mount around like a fragile Christmas toy. Then came machinists, engineers, a hundred more like these, and filled her pounding strength to drive her through the seas, to defend the spot where men serve God in any church they please. At last came Captain Paul de Vries to explore from stem to stern. And like the Dutch, he spoke not much on shore at his return. But the light of freedom in his eye more brightly seemed to burn. Oh, when this ship goes down the ways, there's more on her ribs than steel. The hope and love of a thousand men are built into her keel. Strong with the blood of the free and the brave. Oh, but proud she will ride the waves. For her high, clear destiny is to save her land from a tyrant's heel. It is the BB-66 that they launch today at three. And the people's roar wells up from shore as she slides into the sea. For the ship will ride on the first flood tide and fail to keep men free. by the Bendix Aviation Corporation. This is Graham McNally speaking, saying goodnight all and bye, Bond. This program, ladies and gentlemen, the U.S. Treasury program, was presented to our Eastern audience at an earlier hour. But for the convenience of our West Coast listeners, it was transcribed for presentation at this time. This is the Blue Network of the National Broadcasting Company. One moment, please. Welcome back. This is uh, was a very good uh, and rare radio program. Loved uh, the Noel, Noel Coward songs, but it would be very, very necessary, and they would need far more than they would uh, raise in the course of the war, as Pearl Harbor was just around the corner. 
Well, that's all for today. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of The War. If you would like to share your experience or that of a loved one during World War II, please email your stories to box13 at greatdetectives.net. We'll consider all stories to be shared on the air. We also welcome your suggestion as to future programs. This program is dedicated to those who fought and died in World War II and is presented as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, greatdetectives.net. The opening theme is The Heroic by Ken Curlin, kencurlin.com.